This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Fancy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender, and it's Cinco de Mayo, one of the biggest sports days of the year, given the slate of games and events that are going on. I mean, there were so many things to talk about. we got the Kentucky Derby, we've got baseball action, we've got the NHL, and the NBA playoffs. So, number of ways I can go about it, but we also have the end of the Premier League coming up, and we got quite a bit of a relegation battle going on at the bottom, so a number of topics I, I'm going to touch upon, but first let's uh, get into some of the action that happened last night because it got downright weird at certain spots. Last night, the Tampa Bay-Boston series took a decidedly sharp left turn into the beyond bizarre and just flat-out creepy realm of hockey as uh, their star player, Brad Marchand, went off the deep end. And instead of, you know, fighting another dude or potentially crippling people, which he was technically doing by low-bridging uh, players below their kneecaps, which could blow out a knee or uh, cause them to break their necks as they fall to the ice, he was doing that. But instead, in top of that, as he got increasingly frustrated with how the game was going, he decided to lick Ryan Callahan full tongue, chin to cheek. Honestly, I can't believe I'm even talking about this on a podcast. But yes, a grown man licked another man on national TV. And decidedly, the internet went, went ablaze on Twitter. And everyone's confused because, honestly, you would want to punch a dude in the face multiple times. Yet, in a normal course of action you know you would go to jail or probably get suspended from the league, as dumb as it sounds, in retaliation uh, for said licking action. So we've got a serial licker. Again, I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. Yes, we have a serial licker on our hands. Oh, God. <laughs> we have a serial licker on our hands here with uh, Brad Marchand. Uh, as he's been licking multiple people in the playoffs so far uh, this season, because uh, it's happened a couple of times, uh, especially in the uh, Toronto series. started happening in this series and was on full display last night. So uh, the NHL has 
has essentially issued a cease and don't lick edict to him and stated that subsequent infractions would be punishable by uh, suspensions. I, I honestly don't know how else to <laughs> phrase this without laughing. Uh, I, I mean, from a, just an X's and O's standpoint, Boston is losing this series because of the fact that no one on their other lines, uh, other than their top line featuring Marshan and Travis Pastranek and Pierre Bergeron, are doing anything. Uh, I mean, Rick Nash has uh, become, well, essentially Rick Nash in the playoffs, which is invisible. Uh, David Backus, as usual, is quiet in the playoffs. The uh, the Boston Brewers have not gotten the support that they needed out of their veteran players, and it's coming across uh, uh, in droves because uh, Tampa Bay is getting production from multiple lines. They had the game winner in OT last night, and these are tight games. It's not as though uh, Boston's getting blown out in these games. It's just the simple fact of the matter is that they don't have the balance that they need to win these games, and that's what's killing them. I mean... Bergeron scored two goals last night, and Pastranek had the other goal uh, in a 4-3 loss. I mean, your top line cannot be the driver every single game. It's it's a, it's unsustainable, uh, the rate at which Boston's playing at. So the issue becomes, what else can uh, Boston do? And the way Marsha has been trying to go about it is trying to get inside the heads of people, but I mean... The fact that, <laughs> I, I, you know, you can't make this up. Uh, Brad Marchand basically is, uh, for lack of a better term, a troll. But a troll that's literally going far and beyond what any normal human being would do in a pressure situation. Because he's just taking it to another level of being a weirdo. Uh, you know, at this stage, Boston's now down three games to one. This could very well be Zdeno Chara's last game coming up in Tampa because if the uh, Bruins reti- uh, get uh, uh, get eliminated here at 41, I, I can't see Chara playing uh, another season, even though he has he hasn't said anything to the effect. Uh, you know, he's six nine on skates at the age of, of 41. I, I mean, that's a lot of weight to be skating around on your knees at at uh, at that age. Uh, you know. I, I can't see him uh, uh, going into next season. And they got a bunch of young defensemen. But, uh, you know, right now the biggest issue that uh, uh, Boston has is the fact that Tampa Bay has effectively neutralized uh, the the other lines uh, that they've got. Uh, David Krejci's been uh, extremely quiet. Like I said, Backus has been a non-factor. Uh, Wingles and Riley Nash have been in and out of the lineup, but nothing really being generated there. Jake Dabrowski has been quiet. I mean, again, the less about said about Rick Nash, the better. Uh, Dabrowski is a young guy, but, you know, again, uh, it's the veterans that are on uh, Boston that have let them down in this series. And, you know, even though Tampa, for lack of a better term, uh, this, this was the first game Stamkos actually played well in, uh, that's not a good sign uh, for Boston because the uh, I mean, Tampa's been getting it done in spite of uh, Stamkos being a non-factor in the playoffs thus far this year. If Stamkos gets going, that changes the dynamic for Tampa because 
now you're you're focusing on other folks besides Kucherov, who's undersized. Uh, Palat's not a big guy either. Uh, but you know, at least if you uh, get a Stamkos in there, because re- realistically, Tampa's a smaller team, but you can kind of bully them around. That's why I don't like their chances against uh, Pittsburgh or Washington next round. Although. 99, I would put it at, even with the series tied at 2-2 between Pittsburgh and Washington, it's still a 95% chance the Penguins advance. So I'm, 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 even though I'm mentioning Washington, I, I honestly think it, it'll be the Pens in, uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but uh, I'm skipping ahead here. But as it stands, I mean, the way you go after Tampa is you, is you try to bully them, use your size. The problem with... Boston is that I, I just think that the team's been soft, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, there's only so much uh, you can uh, you can do without actually being uh, completely useless. And you know, it feels as though uh, Boston, uh, for lack of a better term, has just been trading uh, uh, trading goals with uh, Tampa Bay but without actually uh, physically dictating the pace of play. Because even last night, Tampa Bay led the, uh, the amount of hits uh, in the game, even though Marshan like, low-bridged not one but two Boston, uh, I mean, uh, not one but two Tampa Bay players uh, uh, in that game. Uh, it, like I said, it's it's one of those where I'm not, I'm, I just have not been sold on the way uh, Boston has attacked this game because, uh, even though they uh, they've been uh, get, getting in some body blows after winning game one, Tampa Bay's been a more physical team despite being the undersized team. Uh, I, I look at this and uh, kind of uh, say to myself, you know, if Boston wants to take this uh, series, which looks less and less likely, the fact that uh, Marchand's going to be under intense scrutiny and most likely he's probably going to earn himself. Uh, a couple of penalty bo- uh, trips to the penalty box uh, on Sunday. Uh, Boston's got to get a little bit more out of their veterans, and they got to get more physical. Uh, you know, the fact that it hasn't happened uh, through the first four games of the series, I'm not very convinced that this uh, series is going to go past uh, Game Five. I actually think uh, uh, Tampa uh, wraps this one up, but uh, Marchand has just made this into a complete farce at this point. Meanwhile, uh, also in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs last night, you had Vegas taking the series lead over San Jose. Uh, the Sharks played a very good game, in my opinion. I, I, I just, you know, I, I kind of give them credit, but Vegas was just on them the entire game. I mean, compare, compare that to uh, what you saw out of uh, Boston-Tampa, uh, you know, those teams were in the in the 30s for hits, and Tampa Bay still out hit Boston. When you compare that to what Vegas did last night to San Jose, Vegas had 53 hits. I mean, they were literally, even though uh, they may have turned the puck over a tad too much, every time they turned the puck over, they were on uh, San Jose to get the puck back and just walloped guys. Uh, you know, that... Uh, you know, they were fed off uh, the home crowd. Home crowd was going nuts. But uh, Vegas uh, in that 5-3 win, uh, even though uh, San Jose came back in the third period uh, 
and uh, started scoring some goals uh, late to uh, keep it close. Uh, realistically, uh, uh, Vegas was in control of that game. They just let it slip late uh, once they went up 4 nothing. But, I mean, uh, for lack of a better term, Vegas beat the crap out of them. I mean, they, uh, I, give, uh, I give the Sharks credit for hanging in there. And making a game of it, but man, that was a beating that they they took for the first two periods of the game uh, before Vegas started letting up a little bit. But Vegas uh, is up in the series three games to two. Uh, I'm very curious to see how San Jose responds because that was a very physical game. Uh, it should be interesting to see how it goes tomorrow night. I, I think uh, San Jose uh, pushes this one to seven just because they've they've. The fact that they came back in that third period as much as they were just beat uh, beat up on, uh, that shows me a lot about uh, Tesla the character because a couple of years ago, the, that Sharks team would have folded. Uh, so it's good to see that after uh, how they performed in, the, uh, in their Stanley Cup run, that that, that, that medal is still there uh, on that roster because uh, it, it would have been really easy to pack it in uh, with... Uh, Vegas uh, being up four goals uh, and uh, and basically clobbering them the entire game. So, uh, good game uh, for Vegas, but uh, San Jose's not out of it. I think that that series ends up going seven. So, that leads us into tonight's games where you've got a matchup between, uh, and this comes on right after the Kentucky Derby, you, you've got game five between uh, the Penguins and Capitals in D.C. This sh- Normally, this would actually favor the home team. But Washington, because of their playoff ineptitude, there is so much pressure on this uh, Capitals team to actually win this game. And I'm not sure Washington actually has it on. I mean, the Vegas line may give them a slight edge, but it- it's basically a tiny, tiny edge that they're giving to Washington, and it's because of the fact that no one trusts Washington to actually get this done on their own. They, they really don't. It's like, uh, they've gotten by on a couple of fluky calls, some that uh, had no business going their way, but they did, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Washington has been kind of skating by, and Pittsburgh has been getting the scoring from Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. Malkin has not gotten quite back on track yet since he got hurt, but with Gensel picking up the scoring load and he's got uh, he's leading the playoffs with 21 points and 10 goals. Uh, you know this is a very dangerous matchup for uh, the Capitals here because I can easily see a scenario where if they get down two goals, that crowd is going to turn on the Capitals, uh, saying here we go again, we're going to get eliminated in six by the Pens yet again. I, I I look at that game and I and I just kind of say to myself that I don't see where Washington survives uh, this series. They've been they've been hanging on strong, but I I think this is another game where uh, Pittsburgh just uh, sticks the dagger in their heart and uh, uh, wins tonight and, and uh, closes uh, closes it out on Monday night. Meanwhile, we also have uh, the continuation of what has been the best playoff series. And it's a crime that the NHL has the most in. I, I mean, this playoff format is so uh, 
so it, moronic. It's a, it's ridiculous because of the pairing the playoff matchups by your division instead of just ranking them one through eight. You've got uh, Nashville and Winnipeg, who are without question the two strongest teams in the Western Conference, killing each other in this series. Uh, you know, you got a major game five tonight. I honestly don't know who's going to win this game, even though it's in Nashville. It really doesn't matter who's on home ice uh, because of how physical both these teams are. I am very, very much uh, looking forward to this matchup uh, just to see how uh, much uh, Winnipeg uh, loses a little bit of momentum from dropping that game or if they just take back uh, take back the momentum and uh, just move, move on. Because, you know, the biggest thing is that, uh, uh, you know, the Predators were able to win a tight two to one uh, matchup uh, in Game Four in Winnipeg, uh, with a lot of just keeping control of the puck. Uh, they uh, they did not have a, uh, a lot of giveaways. They took the puck away and they held it. Uh, you know they ke- they kept the pace at uh, at the pace uh, at the slow pace that they wanted. They kept the crowd out of it, and you know by and large Pecorine. Uh, made a, a, a number of tough saves, but you know what? They kept the puck in front of him, so he didn't have to make too many ridiculous saves back-to-back. They were able to clean, clean, the, uh, clear the zone quickly whenever they got in trouble. So I'm very curious to see how Nashville uh, is able to keep that up and what little tweaks uh, Winnipeg does, uh, because I honestly believe the winner of this series goes on to the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, they've been proving it the entire way through that they are the two best teams in the Western Conference. No disrespect to Vegas and San Jose. They've been playing well, but these two teams look to be the strongest. And I think that you could even say that these are the two top teams in AHL right now, the way both teams are playing. Uh, you know, outside of Pittsburgh uh, finding the magic touch with uh, their defensemen, because I, I think they've been banged up a bit with a number of cheap hits that Washington has given them. I think that's hurt the Pens more than anything else that Washington has done. Uh, you know, I I think this is going to come down to what happens in this Preds-Jet series to see who's going to go on to the Stanley Cup final in the West. Because, again, the way they've been, uh, both squads have been playing, this is, this is shaping up to be a seven-game series. I'm just not sure how it's going to end up, though. It's... It's really and truly a, a toss-up at this point. I thought Nashville, if they were able to raise the level of play, they would get to Winnipeg. But uh, the Jets have been really strong. They, they're actually even better than I thought they were. Uh, out, uh, you know, in in spite of uh, as well as uh, Hellebuck has played, that uh, their four their forwards and uh, D pairings have really stepped up uh, to the challenge. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I think. That realistically should have been the primetime matchup for NBC, but I get it. It's Crosby and it's Ovechkin, so you got to put that on in primetime. But, uh, you know, truth be told, the better hockey matchup is coming on after uh, the primetime matchup on NBC. So, in terms of fantasy lineups, uh, this one was a. It, I mean, outside of the fantasy lineups, I, I really. Did, didn't uh, know how to really work it until uh, I, I just got a uh, penciled in my key plays. Uh, I mean, 
And that's just uh, putting in Crosby and Gensel. Uh, they have just been that strong of a pairing. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh's not going to break it up, and Washington cannot figure it out to save their lives. Uh, you know, I'm very curious to see uh, how this sh- shapes up. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to play Washington's uh, top two defensemen, uh, Niskanen and Orloff, against Crosby and Gensel. Just not because I think they're going to stop them. It's just because I, I think they're going to have to block so many shots tonight that, you know, the block shots that uh, carry some weight. So uh, I'm, I'm playing them on DraftKings. So basically I'm playing both Crosby and Gensel against Orlov and Niskanen uh, for uh, the Capitals and just hoping that I get enough block shots from Niskanen and Orlov so that uh, their uh, dollar values uh, and salaries they carry me through because uh, uh, Crosby and Gensel carry pretty penny on the DraftKings, but it's deserved. Uh, my uh, my other center is uh, Nicholas Backstrom on uh, the Capitals, uh, just because of the fact that the Caps power play has been on point. Uh, I'm gonna play Blake Wheeler uh, for uh, Winnipeg, and reason being is that I can't afford a fetch kid. <laughs> uh, just uh, with uh, the pricing of uh, the players. Uh, there's no way of, of, of fitting in Ovechkin if I'm playing Crosby and Gensel, and I'd rather take those two over Ovechkin by himself. So uh, that's the way I'm going with it. So Blake Wheeler is my uh, right winger. Uh, in that, I got Pecorine. Uh, you know, it could end up being that uh, Nashville wins this game, but I, I'm just looking at it as that, uh, you know, it's the safest pick out of all the goaltender matchups. And that's the reason why he's the most expensively priced at 8100 But uh, I'll take uh, Rene Net, and my utility player is going to be Lars Eller for uh, the Caps, mainly because uh, it's uh, pretty thin in terms of uh, roster space. Uh, uh, it's only 3600 left over, so uh, he filled that one up. Uh, uh, and Eller also plays on the power play. Uh, I mean, he's on a third line where... The third line has been getting some pressure in on the, the Penn's third line of Hagelin, uh, Sheehan, and Kessel. So uh, that should be an interesting matchup. I mean, I'm not expecting much from Miller other than getting some block shots and takeaways. But, uh, you know, you never know. Uh, you could get an assist or uh, even lucky enough a tip-in goal. So uh, that's uh, the fantasy lineup today for NHL matchups. Uh, but it should be a very interesting set of games tonight uh, once uh, the Kentucky Derby wraps up because uh, uh, I I honestly believe the Pens are going to uh, pretty much put a nail in the coffin for the Capitals who have been on borrowed time in my opinion. Uh, I think they've gotten away with a number of cheap shots uh, throughout the series and only Tom Wilson got suspended. But there were a couple other infractions that easily could have gone uh, against the Caps, so they're fortunate in that regard. Uh, but uh, I think the Pens uh, start uh, uh, putting some distance between them, because even if uh, Washington pulls off a win, I still can't see the Caps being able to close it out. So uh, I, I think this one goes uh, to the Pens, and I think they close it out in six. Uh, but uh, moving on, because we got a, quite a bit to still talk about, uh, we do have the Yankees so win streak to talk about. Uh, even though, uh, you know, they did drop, a, they finally dropped the game uh, uh, to the Astros. They won the next three games in that series. 
they uh, they won last night against the Indians. They got another game uh, coming up this afternoon. Uh, Trevor Bowers on the mound against uh, the most inconsistent pitcher for the Yankees, Sonny Gray. You know, I describe Sonny Gray as a roller coaster because you're going to get good outings, you're going to get some bad outings, and eventually the numbers work themselves out. So far, it's been a lot of bad. Uh, you know, he looked a little bit better against Houston, but again, it still wasn't that much of a great form, to, uh, in my opinion, because he got bailed out by the umpire a couple of times. But we'll see if that benefits him at all today. Uh, just getting a little bit of confidence where he doesn't end up getting rocked in the start. You know, sometimes that could turn around for a pitcher, but you never know. Meanwhile, he's going up against Trevor Bauer of the Indians, who's been making a name for himself for what seems like all the wrong reasons, because Trevor Bauer, to his credit, he he hasn't really backed down uh, from his uh, stances, but uh, he's been persona non grata with the Houston Astros because uh, Trevor Bauer has been insisting that the Astros pitching staff has been doctoring baseballs, uh, to increase their spin velocity, uh, uh, which is leading to higher strikeouts uh, and improved results for a number of pitchers along the lines of, specifically he named uh, Charlie Morton and Garrett Cole. So he was putting names to it. Uh, you know, it's an interesting one because, again, doctoring baseballs has been something that's been done throughout the history of the game. So it's not necessarily illegal, but Trevor Bauer has been uh, adamant that this is somehow tainting the game with cheating, I, I mean, A, he hasn't provided any definitive proof that there's been cheating, and B, again, doctoring balls has been something that's been going on in baseball for years. It's not necessarily to the extent of steroid abuse, which I would say would be worse uh, than doctoring baseball, but I know people have different opinions on uh, how that goes. So, uh, Bauer... You know, he's a good pitcher, uh, talks a bit too much for uh, his own good at at times, but uh, uh, he does have the stuff that can give the Yankees a lot of trouble. So uh, I'm I'm curious to see how uh, that game goes because uh, that's one where I know Bauer can shut down the Yankees lineup and rack up some Ks, but I also know the way the Yankees have been hitting, they can get to Bauer too. So uh, this should be an interesting one because, uh, again, Bauer's – on pace to make the all-star team this year. He's got a sub three RA and he's been, uh, he's been, even though he hasn't been, uh, winning a ton of games uh, because the, his, uh, run support has been weak, uh, 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 by way of, uh, his own teammates. But like I said, I, I think Bauer has to make up to, uh, uh put a damper on the Yankees, uh, role as of late, uh, being 12 of 13. Well, yeah, it's 11 to 12 or 12 of 13. You know, the Yankees have won so many games, I've actually started to lose track of how long the winning streak... I think it's 12-13 instead of 11-12. But regardless, uh, you know, the Yankees as a team right now, especially... Uh, we'll see if Didi's in the lineup today, but, like, Didi Gregorius has been, like, on fire. I mean, l- legitimately, the only weaknesses in the Yankees lineup so far this year has been... Uh, Stanton, uh, whose uh, struggles have been well documented, and you got Brett Gardner, and occasionally whenever Neil Walker gets inserted into the lineup. Outside of that, everyone else has been doing damage. Uh, uh, Glaber Torres has been on an absolute tear. 
Miguel Andujar is just a multi, uh, uh, <laughs> like an extra base machine, just getting multi-hit games, just hit, hitting a ton of doubles. I mean, you really have to uh, credit the Yankees uh, for developing these players as quickly as they have because they're coming into the lineup and just uh, delivering immediately. Uh, unfortunately, Glaber Torres was uh, dubbed another yet another terrible nickname by John Sterling, the Yankees radio announcer, who has to give a nickname to every player that hits a home run because that's his stick. Uh, the latest one being Happy Glaber Day, uh, obviously the play on Labor Day, but uh, I I digress. <laughs> that's, that's all. That's all there needs to be said. So I, I look for the Yankees to uh, come away with a win. I'm not sure how it's gonna uh, pan out. I I just look at that as a way the way the Yankees are rolling right now. I think the Yankees went find a way to win this game, even if uh, Sonny Gray struggles. Uh, although you know the Yankees can't spot uh, Cleveland too many runs because Bauer is capable of of uh, doing damage to them. So I, I think this is probably gonna be a tight game. Where it's like a four to three game, but uh, we'll see uh, uh, how this shakes out. I, because even though the Yankees have been scoring five plus runs a game uh, consistently during this win streak, I think they probably uh, are go under that. Because uh, I know the run total was uh, over seven and a half uh, uh, for first blush. I can't see it going that high just because I like the way Bowers pitching he, as much as uh, Gray has potential of just being gaslit and giving up a ton of runs, I still don't think this total is going over 7.5 uh, today. So uh, I, I look for less offense and, uh, and a tighter pitching battle. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Now, in terms of uh, the baseball lineups, I'm just going to do the lineups uh, for the primetime game. So hopefully these lineups hold in fact. Uh, I mean, if, in case they don't, obviously you're going to have to swap out players. But... Uh, this is who I had in mind in terms of uh, my lineups today. All right, so going with the starting pitchers, uh, going to start with uh, Charlie Morton. You know, spin rates and all, uh, this looks like the safest play on the main slate of games uh, in primetime today. Uh, you know, spin rates and whatever Trevor Bauer wants to spew aside, uh, Morton's just been dominant this year. Uh you know, I gotta give him credit. <laughs> I, I certainly didn't buy it, but uh, he's making a believer out of basically everyone. So I uh, gotta ride the wave while it lasts. So uh, gotta take Charlie Morton, uh, second pitcher. I'm gonna take Jameson Tyon of uh, the Pirates. A little bit of dangerous matchup with Tyon going to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, it's uh, not the most advantageous place to pitch, but uh, you know couple of guys out of lineup for Milwaukee. I, I think uh, Tyon uh, has the best chance of, uh, of uh, being successful out of uh, some of the other pitchers on the slate here because uh, you got a number of uh, uh, questionable uh, pitchers that are going tonight. So uh, I don't think it's uh, going to be a case where, uh, you know, when you have the likes of uh, Maeda, because Maeda is also going for uh, – and it's because he's pitching against the Padres. I know the Padres got no hit last night by the Dodgers, but Maeda has not been 
that kind of a pitcher in years. I, I just would not chance it with Maeda. Uh, I know Cahill's also a possibility uh, just because he's been pitching well. Uh, so I may actually do a few lineups with Cahill in place of uh, uh, Tyon, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, play by ear. But uh, in terms of a uh, couple of other players, uh, the stack I'm going with uh, is uh, the uh, Colorado Rockies against Steven Matz and the Mets. Uh, the Mets have been uh, a mess, uh, to put it uh, mildly. Uh, just uh, between the injuries, the Matt Harvey situation where he finally got designated for assignment. Uh, the Mets, uh, after the hot start, have started to hit a couple of rough patches. DeGrom managed to narrowly avoid an injury scare. Matt has been relatively inconsistent along with Zach Wheeler. You know, the Mets are a couple of losses away from going into a stretch where the ownership group probably should consider... Uh, making some moves at least to salvage uh, some uh, some players for a, uh, a trade possibility. So even if it means sending down the guys who have uh, minor league option years just to keep them healthy and fresh uh, because you're not necessarily intending to contend. But, you know, given that it's in New York, I, I doubt the fan base uh, would uh, even remotely support that. They still think that they have a chance uh, of uh, making a run, and I do too. It's just, you know, it just seems to be the case year after year with the Mets where they just get hit with the injury bug. And I, you know, I don't know if it's maybe they have the worst medical staff in professional sports, but for whatever reason, guys seem to go down at a greater propensity than anything else uh, for the Mets. But anyway... Uh, I'm getting sidetracked here. So the stack I had to go in again is Colorado. So I got Ionetta catcher uh, for $2,900. Uh, pretty cheaply priced there. Uh, got Nolan Arenado uh, taking up uh, the bulk of uh, the salary today. Uh, basically, uh, you've got uh, Trevor Story at shortstop. Uh, you know, the uh, the biggest thing I would say uh, in terms of uh, the lineup today is just making sure that uh, uh, it's uh, uh, well balanced enough in terms of uh, premier players, which I think I did uh, with this group. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, outside of story of, of four grand, uh, I put in uh, uh, Noel Cuevas, uh, who's uh, yet another young outfielder that uh, Colorado has that can. Uh, hit so uh he just uh he just got called up from triple a so he's gonna be hungry and probably gonna attack the plate uh so i, I like that at 2500 uh you know while city field is not a uh hitter's ballpark uh it's not necessarily the same pitcher's ballpark that it had been playing as uh years back so uh i'll put in Cuevas there uh my other players uh Today, I've got uh, Matt Olson at first uh, for the Oakland A's. Uh, they're going up against Kevin Gossman of the uh, Orioles, who is a one-note kind of pitcher. If his splitter's not working, he's very hittable. So, banking on uh, a couple of balls going out of the ballpark uh, there. Uh, even though it's Oakland, uh, Gossman can get hit really hard. So, 
I, I'm gonna go with uh, Olsen and Matt Joyce in the outfield at three grand and uh, uh, thirty-nine hundred apiece. My one-off player is Brian Dozier. Uh, who, he's going up against uh, the White Sox tonight. Uh, so the second baseman for the Twins. Uh, he's at forty-three hundred. He's just been on a hot streak lately. Uh, but, uh, I, I would still say that, uh, you know, he's been hitting, uh, he's still been hitting a decent clip from, uh, uh, home runs, but, uh, I would also say that, uh, uh given the matchup, uh, uh, tonight, it's not the worst, uh, it's not the, uh, worst possible, uh, pitcher for the White Sox in Santiago, but, uh, He's far from being an ace on, on the staff. So you're going up against the best hitter against a number four or five starter on a bad White Sox team. Uh, I at least got to uh, take a punt with uh, Dozier there, even though I don't have him in the stack. And then my other one-off is uh, Mike Trout. Uh, you know, Albert Pujols uh, got uh, 3,000 hits the other night, so I'm assuming he's taking the night off. Uh, Otani was batting last night, so I'm also assuming he's going to be off. So not as much protection for Trout, which I almost in a way like because that means there are probably going to be fewer people who are owning him. At least this could be wishful thinking on my part, but uh, that's why I'm kind of going with it because, again, if it wasn't for Mookie Betts uh, hitting you know, 13 bombs already this year, Mike Trout would be the story of the majors because he's, again, batting over 300 uh, with uh, 11 home runs already, and uh, he's already got five steals. I mean, he's just been... An absolute monster yet, yet again, and proving why he's the best player in the game. But uh, Mookie, like I told people before, Mookie Betts is not that far behind. I I, I stand behind that prediction. Uh, even though I'm looking good right now, he's he's gonna cool off. But I still believe Mookie Betts is not that far off from Mike Trout. Uh, that's just one of the things I go for him. It's the reason why I had Boston winning the AL East over the Yankees, even though I still think. Both the Yankees and the Red Sox are very much likely to win uh, over 94 games this year uh, uh, for both of them. Uh, I just think that it's going to be that uh, tight of a divisional race that uh, even with uh, so many wins that both teams are still going to be in it in the final week of the season. So uh, that does it for the baseball lineups. Uh, you know, again, uh, last night, Albert Pujols uh, got hits. 3,000 and 3,001 against Seattle Mariners. Obviously, Albert is in the first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, you got a lot of support from the Cardinals fans and the organization throughout, so uh, that was nice to see. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting just kind of seeing what the Angels do as an organization uh, come the trading deadline because I, I honestly see this as a scenario where uh, they're going to have to make some upgrades. And even though you wouldn't say uh, Albert uh, is uh, in danger of losing at-bats, it, it's one of those situations where they're almost better off if Albert uh, concedes some bats just to keep him fresh for the postseason because, uh, you know, the legs have, gone, uh, have, uh, have failed him numerous times in his career. I, I think it's just one where, uh, you know, to be on the safe side, they're probably... Better off uh, letting him get some more rest come the summer months. Uh, so if they're still in contention, 
and by all accounts, it looks like the Angels are going to be in there. Uh, they're they're probably going to have to let uh, Albert uh, or bring in someone that can give Albert a spell uh, uh, come trade deadline, to, and especially once the rosters expand, uh, just to give him as much rest as possible. Same thing with Otani. I think they're going to have to manage uh, his rest as well if they're, if they're truly going to be serious about contending uh, uh, for a title this year, which... From the outside of the year, no one really was saying much of anything about the Angels, but uh, uh, they, they, they've uh, they've certainly turned a corner here. So, uh, just uh, things to keep in mind for. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Strau have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. All right, so now that we've got uh, coverage on uh, what was going on with uh, the NHL and baseball, uh, let's uh, let's talk a little Premier League uh, while we're at it before I get into the NBA and just uh, calling out the <laughs> calling out certain teams. Uh, so uh, in Premier League action uh, uh, today. Uh, um, watching as uh, we see yet another team get relegated with Stokes, uh, Stoke City going down, uh, which, by the way, is more of a kind of sign of good riddance because, you know, certain teams in the Premiership are there despite the fact that, you know, they're not exactly a glamorous team. Uh, one of the things that critics would say about the Premier League is there are way too many uncoordinated, unskilled teams. Stoke is certainly a case of that where, you know, for years uh, of the 10 years in the Premier League, I'd say seven of them were predominantly uh, shin-kicking team, play tough, grindy defense, and just annoyed the hell out of you as an opposing player because they played on a pitch where it's rainy and soggy, you're going to be having a miserable time because of the clumps of grass coming up. Just because it's just one of those kinds of places where, you know, you don't really play soccer at a, a very high level. They're always there, but they kind of just stick around like fungus. Uh, with Stoke getting relegated and a couple of those Midland clubs getting relegated, uh, because uh, by all intents and purposes, uh, I mean, West Brom needs to win today against Spurs to even, like, stay up, <laughs> which I doubt going to happen. I mean... Uh, it's not like Spurs isn't like uh, an invincible invincible team, if you will, but I, I just don't see West Brom pulling off a win against Spurs. But, you know, I've been wrong before. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of uh, the Premier League, uh, you've you've got a number of teams at the bottom. So you got, you got Stoke, who just got relegated. You got Swansea that needs to get a win today uh, against Bournemouth just to uh, – put themselves a little bit further out of the danger zone because Swansea can get uh, jumped over by Southampton. 
Uh, Southampton and Swansea play midweek this week, uh, which almost assuredly determines uh, who's going to get relegated between those two clubs uh, as uh, Southampton wraps up their season against Spurs next Sunday on Championship Sunday, which is not Championship Sunday this year for the Premier League because Man City already locked up the title weeks ago. So it's just more like relegation Sunday to see who officially goes down. Uh, But you got Southampton, who has no business being in a relegation battle, but they they played their way into being in a uh, relegation battle. Uh, So you got Southampton, that's still in danger. You've got uh, uh, West Brom, who should be getting relegated any day now. You got Bournemouth, uh, who should be clear of things, along with West Ham. Both of those clubs should be clear of it. Uh, they, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have any danger. But uh, you know, you never know. Uh, Huddersfield is the little engine that could, but it's stalling badly on the tracks. Uh, I, I just don't see where Huddersfield's getting any more points than they currently have. Uh, they're at 35 points on the year. I'm not sure where they pick up another set of points, uh, to be perfectly honest, because uh, Huddersfield is playing Manchester City, uh, and, you know, after that matchup, uh, Huddersfield, uh, uh, they've got uh, a matchup against, uh, I believe it's, um, uh, uh, who do they have? Uh, oh, give me a second here. Uh, I believe it was... Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. It's the Arsenal season finale. Oh, you know what? I, I take that back. Huddersfield could probably get a point off of Arsenal uh, because it's going to be an away match at Huddersfield. And, you know, it's Wenger's last match, so I easily see Arsenal just packing it in just the way they packed it in against your uh, uh, Atletico Madrid in the, the second leg of Europa Thursday. I easily could see that. You know what? I, I take that back. I apologize, Huddersfield. You, you're... You're probably staying up in the Premier League uh, uh, for this campaign. But, uh, yeah, some of these other teams, Southampton, uh, they they put themselves in this mess uh, because, uh, you know, if they don't win against uh, Everton, uh, you know, then they have to beat Swansea because if they don't beat if, – if they end up uh, uh, with a draw against Swansea and it's like a tie situation where, uh, you know – between Swansea and uh, uh, Southampton, if they're not above 34 points and they have to go win or get a draw against Man City, they're going to get relegated, which would be utterly embarrassing considering how many uh, star players are still on Southampton's uh, squad uh, that could be young developing players on any other roster. Uh, that that would be a nightmare scenario because then they, they'd be stuck in a situation where they have to sell all their young players and basically start from scratch all over again in the championship. That'd be, that'd be an absolute nightmare. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, in terms of, uh, uh, competitions left in, in the premier league, I mean, realistically the, the team everyone's watching is Liverpool because everyone knows Man City has won the title. Uh, Liverpool's the team that people are going to keep an eye out for because Liverpool, uh, held on to beat Roma in the Champions League semifinal. So uh, the uh, Champions League final is set. Uh, it's going to be uh, Liverpool versus uh, Real Madrid, a Real Madrid team that has underachieved the entire season. 
you know, I, I cannot stress enough how much of a joke uh, Real Madrid season has been in La Liga uh, because they, they've been utterly inept. But in competitions, they've actually turned it up. So, uh, you know, Real can at least save some face before they probably uh, uh, put uh, Zinedine Zidane, to, kick Zinedine Zidane to the curb. As a manager, uh, if they if they win the Champions League final in 26, that might be the only way Zidane saves his job. He's probably going to get fired anyway, but uh, he might somehow save his job if he can win the Champions League uh, again on the 26th. For Liverpool, that would be a cap in the favor of uh, uh, Jurgen Klopp, but just because they've been trying to find that moment where they can you know, say on the uh grand stage that, you know, they've truly announced themselves back as uh, uh, one of the top clubs in England, just because the Thunder has been stolen a bit uh, by Manchester City. It's not really been United, because United just, they've been around, but, you know, ever since Sir Alex has left, it, it, it just has been a vacuum, and that vacuum has been uh, being filled up by Manchester City. Uh, whether people like it or not, that oil money does... Uh, uh, does come into play. So, uh, City's been getting the attention. Uh, you know, Chelsea's been waffling between whether they feel committed to like playing or not. Arsenal, sadly, has been resigned to spending even less money than ever before, despite the fact that they still spend more money than most clubs. They still don't spend ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, uh, that you're seeing from the Manchester clubs and even Chelsea to a certain extent. So, uh, you know, Man City has been, uh, under Pep Guardiola, has been the uh, the story of football for the past 18 months as the experiment has now taken full hold and you're starting to see where in the next couple of years, Man City could go on a roll where they start dominating the Premier League and... Uh, appearing in multiple Champions League finals if somebody doesn't step up to the plate and start derailing them. So Liverpool could be that team, but the the first step to that is they got to win this Champions League final on the 26th. So uh, I'll talk about that one as we get a little bit closer to it. But uh, to me, that that seems like a, a guarantee of uh, something that needs to, uh, needs to happen. So uh, that should be an interesting start to Memorial Day weekend uh, uh, when that one goes down. All right, so let's get into the NBA tonight uh, uh, because, uh, you know, last night you had playoff Rondo appear and basically get up in Draymond Green's business, which is something people have not done nearly enough in the Warriors championship run. LeBron did it in the finals a couple of years ago and got Draymond suspended uh, like an idiot. Uh, But you know what? LeBron's laughing because he got a championship ring out of uh, Draymond being an idiot because he instigated him. Uh, so that's a good way of getting uh, getting to the Warriors is to getting the Draymond Green riled up. So Rajon Rondo, uh, 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 Rajon Rondo did what he needed to do, and guess what? He outplayed Steph Curry uh, because uh, Rondo pushed the pace, didn't turn the ball over that much, and had 21 assists. Yes, that is correct. 21 assists against the Warriors' defense. Uh, you know, New Orleans was able to spread the ball around, got Anthony Davis involved. I mean, Rondo did everything he could 
to uh, get his team in the uh, in the flow of the game, uh, played tough defense, was in, in the uh, passing lanes the entire night. Uh, Golden State could not get uh, into a decent uh, enough rhythm. So uh, Golden State's uh, uh, obviously dropped the game three uh, last night, which was a must win for the Pelicans. So that series is at 2-1 uh, with Golden State still in the lead. But at least gives uh, New Orleans some hope that they can somehow uh, salvage this game. I don't see it happening. I, I think the Warriors come back with a, a bit of a renewed focus. I don't think Kevin Durant will be nearly as passive as he was in Game 3. So I, I, I definitely see the Warriors being able to take that one and you know basically ha- hammer out uh, the rest of the series. But uh, we'll see how it goes uh, uh, tomorrow. But... Uh, uh, that was interesting to see. And we also had Houston wake up from the doldrums because they they sleptwalked through game two uh, where Utah managed to take home court advantage away from uh, the Rockets. So the Rockets had to take it right back from Utah. Uh, you know, as long as the Rockets don't mess around this series, they should be able to take care of business with Utah. I, I'm not remotely worried about the Rockets in this series. Unless James Harden goes into hiding the way that the Toronto Raptors have against LeBron James, uh, so uh, that should uh, it should be clear cut case where uh, 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 the Rock uh, the Rockets take care of business against uh, against uh, Utah. I, I just think they have way too much depth uh, to actually be troubled by Utah. So. Uh, that takes us to tonight's games. So, uh, in the early matchup, and I'm not sure why the NBA scheduled it this way, but uh, you know, to me, I, I wouldn't schedule a game during the during the middle of the Kentucky Derby. But you know, for whatever reason, the NBA thought this was a good idea. So uh, you've got, uh, I mean, maybe they think that the Derby will happen in the middle of. Uh, of halftime, I guess. I, actually, maybe that's why they timed it out this way. Now that I think about it. Because technically, if the game starts at 5 and the derby starts at 6.30... You know what? Be that as it may. Good. You, you know what I'm getting at. Uh, Boston and Philly are playing at 5 o'clock today. Uh, the derbies, that's... Uh, usually, that happens around 6.30, 6.35, 6.40 depending on when they can load the horses in the gate. But, uh, you know, Ben Simmons was absolutely atrocious last, uh, uh, well, two nights ago against uh, uh, Boston's defense. So Philly's down 0-2. They got to win this game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, Joel Embiid has to be more involved in the offense. So I look for uh, more uh, effort out of the Sixers tonight, especially... Uh, when it comes to the defensive end, uh, Terry Rozier was able to do whatever he wanted uh, and pretty much faced no competition, in my opinion. So uh, I think the biggest thing that uh, you kind of have to look at it is the fact that, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it, we, we uh, th- this is uh, this is just a clear-cut case where uh, – Terry Rozier is just dominating the point guard play. And it's ridiculous as, I, as I'm as i saying this because it was like, if you would have told me three months ago that Terry Rozier would be the story of the playoffs for the Eastern Conference, I, 
I probably would have laughed uh, because legitimately, it's, I mean, no one even knew who Terry Rozier was uh, two months ago, let alone uh, three months ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have a you have a coming out party against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks where uh, the, <laughs> the, I mean, I think Eric Bledsoe did more for Terry Rozier's career than... Uh, Kyrie Irving getting hurt because even with Kyrie Irving hurt, people just assumed that somehow uh, the the Celtics were winning just because of a plucky defense. Uh, uh, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have played great. I mean, Jalen Brown uh, came back in Game Two after uh, injuring his hamstring and missing Game One, but you know, at the end of the day. Uh, I, I look at Terry Rozier and he's just been putting up uh, ridiculous numbers, uh, uh, just uh, moving the ball around, getting assists, scoring. He's been doing whatever he wants. So I I, I gotta see something as like I don't know because uh, I, I to be perfectly honest, most of the Ben Simmons highlights just stem from him uh, scoring the basketball. I really haven't seen him play that much. Uh, of a lockdown defense, so I'm I'm curious to see if uh, if Simmons uh, can use his uh, actual size and length to uh, uh, give uh, more trouble to uh, Rogier because it it it, it is a, a cause for concern if uh, Rogier goes off again and uh, Simmons is nowhere to be found. He's got to be able to do something uh, to slow down uh, uh, what you're seeing from uh, Rogier. So. Uh, interesting game uh, today. I, I look for the Sixers to get the win just because, uh, you know, uh, it'd be shocking for the Sixers to be down 0-3 in a series where they were actually favored to win. Uh, this isn't Toronto-Cleveland where I knew from the jump that Toronto was not going to even be able to match up against Cleveland. Uh, this is a much more evenly matched series, so I expect a... Uh, a resounding performance from uh, the Sixers uh, to take uh, to take control of things and uh, uh, get a win on the board against uh, Boston. So uh, that should be a good one to see. Uh, I mean, Philly's already favored by nine on the sports books. Uh, I don't think it'll be uh, that clear cut, but you know, at the same time, I, I do think that uh, uh, Philly's going to win this game, though. So. Uh, with that being said, uh, in terms of the emasculation of the Toronto Raptors by LeBron James, uh, there is no doubt in my mind where I'm going with this game. And it's going to be, once again, Cleveland taking this game and uh, they're they're <laughs> They're 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 gonna they're gonna win this series, and it's probably gonna be a sweep. Even though I don't think the Cavs are that good of a team, it's just because of how lifeless the Toronto Raptors are. They have no guts whatsoever. There's no backbone on this team. Demar Derozan has deferred each and every step of the way, and Kyle Lowry might as well be in witness protection. In fact, you could put out an APB on Kyle Lowry because he is he's basically a no-show when it comes to any type of pressure situation. 
I pretty much laughed at DeMar DeRozan's press conference the other day because they said that they they play their best under adversity. Well, game two was adversity because you you already gave up home court advantage. You didn't want to have to go down 0-2 and then force yourself to win... Uh, four out of six. I, I mean, seriously, you, you, you really think you think you're gonna win four out of five against LeBron James? Uh, I, I mean, I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I really don't know when it comes to some of these teams. Uh, uh, because winning four out of five against LeBron, pretty much in, the, in terms of an odds, if you're not the Golden State Warriors. The odds of that happening are probably less than 5%. So, let's be perfectly clear with this game. Uh, Cleveland's coming to home. Their bench is going to be playing better. And yet, somehow, we're supposed to believe that Toronto's going to somehow magically rally when their players, notably their star players, have not shown up in this series and have been outscored combined by LeBron James. I mean, Kevin Love uh, actually had a good game, too, uh, the other night. You almost forgot what it looks like when Kevin Love feels motiv- uh, feels confidence to play uh, basketball the way he can. I mean, if Kevin Love even plays half as well as he did game two, they uh, Cleveland wins this one by 10. Uh, this one, to me, is a clear-cut uh, victory for the Cavs. Uh, I mean, that's to me, that's the most sure bet of the day is... Cleveland taking care of the Raptors tonight and going up 3-0. I mean, because at the end of the day, the Raptors are an undersized team, and Valakunis, uh, their center, has missed multiple bunnies in the paint. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't say enough that, uh, you know, with the way the Raptors play, uh, they already themselves seem resigned to accept their fate. They may be saying otherwise to the press, but on the court, their actions speak volumes. And I, I just think this series is already over. We're just playing out the funeral march uh, uh, because uh, the NBA is contractually obligated to air at least four games every playoff series. So uh, we're going to see how it goes, but this looks like it's done and dusted. So in terms of... Uh, uh, of fantasy lineups today, I would probably say uh, Terry Rozier needs to be in the lineup, and obviously LeBron James needs to be in the lineup. Uh, the rest you can probably pencil together uh, just to save uh, money between the other squads. I would say absolutely avoid Cal Lowry at all costs in your fantasy lineup. Uh, but uh, you know if you can, if you can. Uh, I still think Kevin Love's probably going to get some ownership today, so that's probably not going to be uh, a, the best play because I, I don't think he can replicate that performance. But Tristan Thompson's still been putting up numbers against Toronto. Uh, I would say out of the Raptors players, I would probably play. Uh, Val Kunis uh, has had decent enough looks where, you know, eventually he's got to start converting those. So I, I would say uh, he's a decent enough play, but realistically uh you know lebron has to be played today and terry rogier should be played against uh, philly uh i i think joel Embiid's due for a huge game tonight but i i you know i i, I kind of feel as though boston's already anticipating that and it will uh 
at least find ways of mitigating him. So the the salary figure on DraftKings might not uh, might be too prohibitive uh, to own him, but uh, I I do think it's a possibility that Embiid goes off tonight. I'm just not overly confident in making that uh, prediction. So uh, with all that being said, uh, I'll do a quick uh, prediction on a few other things that uh, are on my radar, but uh, uh, don't necessarily uh, have time to get into great detail on. Uh, NYCFC is playing the New York Red Bulls in uh, the Derby, you know, MLS action, this is always a tricky one for me because I look at these uh, games and I I always say that usually you favor the home squad regardless of if the team's actually that good or not. In the case of New uh, New York City FC, they're top of the Eastern Conference. They should be able to handle... Uh, the Red Bulls, who, for lack of a better term, have been underachieving the entire uh, season thus far. Uh, I, I just look at it as a case where uh, I could see NYCFC uh, taking this game a little bit lightly, and I see the Red Bulls treating this as if this is the Super Bowl and World Cup all in one, because this is probably the biggest game of their season, whether they want to admit it or not. They're not going anywhere this year, but... I can see them uh, pulling off a win here uh, just because of the fact that they're going to treat this game with more respect than the uh, NYCFC would. So uh, that would be my prediction for uh, that matchup today in MLS action. And then for the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, with horse racing, I always say it's a crapshoot. The weather looks like it is going to be the ultimate crapshoot because it's going to be a muddy track. Uh, Justify is the overall favorite. Uh, the overall favorite has won five straight Kentucky Derby. So, uh, as boring as it sounds, I'm probably going to stick with uh, Justify, uh, even though they don't have as much as I love uh, Justified the TV series. Uh, it's not because of that uh, reasoning. I'm just picking Justify because uh, with the overall favorite. Uh, tends to be in the cases of where it's a sloppy track if there are speedster horses that could challenge uh the 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 overall favorite usually it needs they need a cleaner track to do that whereas if uh if it's a sloppy track the the better race horses kind of rise to the top regardless so they don't necessarily uh uh burn themselves out uh, uh, trying to deal with the speedsters because the speedsters usually need a nice clean track to jump out to the fast start anyway to set the pace. So I, I just look at it as a case where, uh, you know, muddy track, just go with the better horse. So that's the rationale for taking Justify. But, you know, horse racing is not exactly my forte. So uh, don't hold me to it, but uh, I-, I would say that's the most logical pick. So, uh, that's going to do it for the show today. Uh, I'll get into some more baseball hopefully tomorrow, uh, and we'll uh, recap what happened with the NHL and NBA matchups and uh, uh, do some lineups uh, uh, for those games as well because we, we got some more actually coming up on Sunday. So even though Cinco de Mayo uh, has quite a bit going on, uh, I wish we would have had a premier boxing matchup, but... Uh, 
since the Triple G Canelo matchup uh, uh, died weeks ago, I, I'm not even going to go break down Triple G's matchup because, I mean, he's fighting the cream puff. So what are you going to do? Uh, so that's all for now. But uh, have a happy single to Mayo, everyone. And uh, tune in next time. Take it easy. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position.